great athletes are just great athletes. It's just where their path lies. Like, just imagine if Shaquille O'Neal's parents put him on skates <laughs> and he was the same type of athlete, the same with Kobe Bryant, God rest his soul, or Allen Iverson. It's just putting them in those positions and giving them the opportunity and the knowledge and the chance to take their natural athleticism and put it towards the game of hockey. So I think that being more inclusive and opening the game up to become more diverse, especially visually, is going to spark that interest in some kid of color to become one of those phenoms. It's just a matter of time. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset Show. This is a podcast about the financial, money, and recreational mindset needed to successfully plan for and live your best life before and through retirement. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Kwame Damon Mason, host of the Soul on Ice podcast and creator of the feature documentary film, Soul on Ice, Past, Present, and Future. Kwame Damon Mason has been working in the Canadian entertainment industry since 1996. Kwame got his name out there thanks to popular radio stations like Kiss 92.5 in Toronto, where he hosted a two-hour hip-hop and R&B mix show. In addition to hosting, Kwame used his experience and expertise to help launch countless radio stations across Canada and has co-hosted with some of Canada's most well-known DJs and stars like former NHL tough guy George LaRock. No stranger to hard work and perseverance, Kwame sacrificed everything he had to make his debut film, including selling his home and moving back from Alberta to Ontario. The time had come for him to invest in himself and pursue one of his biggest dreams. Always wanting a new challenge, Kwame recently completed his first feature documentary film, his dream, Soul on Ice, Past, Present, and Future, a documentary about the history and contribution of black athletes in hockey. The film won Best Picture at the 2015 Edmonton International Film Festival and recently had its American television debut on the NHL Network. Listen in and hear how Kwame has taken his passions and combined them to create a hockey documentary and podcast that will be used for generations to come. Well, hello, everybody. Larry Sprung here, and I have the pleasure of having Kwame Mason, host of the Soul on Ice podcast and the creator of the feature documentary film Soul on Ice, past present and future. And as you all know, I love talking about hockey. So this is for all the hockey fans out there. You're definitely going to want to listen in here. So welcome to the show, Kwame. It's a pleasure to have you. Thanks, Larry. Appreciate it, man. I really appreciate your your time and uh, your interest in my world. Yeah. Hey, listen, I love what you're doing. I love the Soul on Ice podcast. And, you know, before we jump into that and the movie as well, the feature documentary, Can you tell our listeners a little bit about your path? What brought you to creating the movie and the podcast and doing what you're doing? Yeah, so born and raised here in uh, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Always was a hockey fan. You know, my earliest memories of hockey is before I even know myself. 
So, you know, that's just always been that passion or that thing that we did in our neighborhood. And I just loved the game. I felt like the game never really was marketed or felt welcoming to me, but, you know, you kept it as a guilty pleasure. When I got older, I became a radio announcer for about 14 years, and I was working in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Uh, and I had the pleasure of being around a lot of the Edmonton Oilers around 2005, especially when they were in that huge run going for the cup, which they lost in the finals. But that's the first time I was ever really around professional hockey players, and I just really loved their aura, their being, just being around them. and. George LaRock, one of the toughest men who ever played in the National Hockey League, was on that team at that time and most beloved oiler at the time. He was working with me on my radio show. And, you know, when we'd go out and hang out, like I always would sit back and notice that he was the only black player that was in this social environment with these guys. And you think, and then it made me think about the players on different teams and saying to myself, man, that. You know, as great as that must be, it must be kind of lonely to be the only one and the commonalities might be a little few and far and in between. And so I started embarking on doing my own personal research and just learning a little bit more about who some of the black athletes were, where they were from, who they played for, and learn a little bit more of their story. And then I came across an article about the Colored Hockey League of the Maritimes, which was around the late 1800s, 1895 right. to about 1930. And when I learned about that, it blew my mind away because being here in Canada, everybody knows that Canada brags about it being this, you know, it's hockey is our national sport. It was all about hockey. And on Hockey Night in Canada, I never heard anybody talk about the Colored Hockey League of the Maritimes. And as a Canadian, I knew about the Negro Baseball League in America. How, as right. a Canadian, I don't know about the Colored Hockey League in the Maritimes. <laughs> so that really bothered me. And I thought, as such a hockey nerd as I was at that time, if I don't know about this, how many other people don't know? Sure. And so I started just doing gathering research. And I thought to myself, one day, this would make a really good film and a very good documentary. So uh, I just was patiently waiting for that sign from the universe to say, go and do this. And when I got the sign, I just, I just went in hard body karate and, uh, and made the film. So basically your job now going forward, you know, obviously you memorialized all this research and this maritime league more or less in the film itself. Yeah. And so kind of documenting what happened in the past. And I mean, what's the goal of the podcast? Is this really to keep track now of what's going on in the future and what's going on in the current times with regards to black people in the NHL and hockey in general? Yeah, the main purpose of the podcast for me is to normalize black faces and voices in the game of hockey. So, for example, I think that's my main mission. There was a time, oh man, um, when... It just, I just felt like the atmosphere was getting very intense about what the NHL wasn't doing and stories coming up. And it really shocked me because when I put out the film in 2015, not many people were talking about black athletes in the game of hockey. So it became this really exciting new venture. And I was able to talk and connect people and a lot of things were popping up and it was it felt like we were going in a very positive direction and then it just got really heavy and i got to a point where it's like i didn't sign up for all this <laughs> and, and i didn't sign up for all this energy that's out there 
I think we're going in the right direction. Um, the NHL is trying. I felt like they were trying, but it made me sit back and say to myself, what am I doing this for? And what I came up with was my own personal slogan, which was normalizing black faces and voices in the game of hockey. And you can expand that to normalizing marginalized faces and voices in the game of hockey, which would include LGBTQ, women, people of color, whatever it may be. So the podcast for me, the main mission of it was I want people to be able to go and listen to three black males talk about hockey and it not be, oh, wow, look at there. There's a podcast with black guys doing it. It's just (laughs) there's a podcast and these guys happen to be black. So I wanted to make sure that we approached the podcast and the show with a different style than anybody else would. And that would make people more comfortable and more understanding about how we as black people, how we would put our little spin on it. Not that it's sure. anything different, but I don't know any other podcast is asking anybody for, for their top five songs before they get on, you know, <laughs> the slang that we use. It's just, you know, it's just a different slang. It's just like if, if somebody who was indigenous was doing a hockey podcast, you'd hope that they put their own cultural spin to their interviews or to their style or to what their show is all about. And that you get more of those, it becomes normal. And I think that's what the game needs. Yeah. I mean, it creates an atmosphere for fans, obviously, who are black or African-American or even people of color, you know, whatever category they fall in to show that, you know, people like yourself are having conversations about the sport, right? That's Mm -hmm. one avenue. And then the second avenue is people or kids who are looking to potentially enter the sport are saying, hey, you know, there are black guys like Kwame speaking about this topic. And you know what? There are, I never realized there are black hockey players. I could be a black hockey player. Why don't I throw on some skates? I live in Canada where hockey is basically the universal sport. Well, maybe I should play. And it just creates an atmosphere where people look at other people who are doing what they want to do. And now it gives them an outlet and an avenue to say, Hey, I can do that too, which I think you're creating a great atmosphere for that, which is fantastic and great for the sport in general, period. Thank you. Representation matters, you know, and uh, if you can see it, you can be it. And in minority communities, seeing somebody that looks like you in that arena that you might be interested in is so important. And the more we see that, the more these kids are going to want to fall in those footsteps and be a part of it as well. Yeah. So can you share with us, what are some of, cause you've researched this. So you're, you're, you know, I'm asking the best person for this. What are some of the most groundbreaking moments in hockey? Because I'm sure like you, it took you a while to kind of uncover this and figure this out. So I'm sure the layperson, even like myself, doesn't really know about it. What are some of the most groundbreaking moments in hockey featuring black players? Yeah. Maybe a story or two you could share with us. Yeah, I think I would go at the very beginning when you think about the Colored Hockey League of the Maritimes. There was a player by the name of Eddie Martin who was also a baseball player in the summer. A lot of those guys who were playing hockey played baseball in the summer to, to stay fit for you know upcoming hockey season. And hockey made them, had them stay fit for, for the summer. And Eddie had this idea of swinging his hockey stick the same way as he swung his baseball bat. And if you're swinging a fastball, you're going really fast. And uh, if you do that towards the ground and you go to and you hit the hockey puck with that same philosophy, uh, velocity, it ignites that puck to go pretty fast. And in the newspapers at that time, they would call it the uh, baseball shot. 
but we all know that today as the slap shot. So that's a great innovation there. And um, that's a great moment in hockey history, in my opinion. And then something else that's really incredible was Herb Carnegie and his contributions in the 40s and 50s and what he did in the Quebec leagues, being a part of the first all-black line in pro hockey with his brother Ozzy and Manny McIntyre. And something like that, we're seeing its influence today in the game of hockey, you know, with the um, Ontario Reign having three black players, uh, Akil Thomas, Quentin Byfield, and Devontae Smith-Pelly playing together. So those are moments that I think are really important. And I could go on and on, (laughs) but I don't want to bore you with all these great moments. But yes, you're correct. I have kind of watched them and I kind of have them in the head and looking like, oh, those are great moments that we need to celebrate. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. One of the things I was going to ask you about was the Ontario Reign and those three players, because I thought that was fantastic. And even more recently than that, I believe right before the Stanley Cup playoffs of this year, 2021, that are being played as we're recording this, so to speak, the Tampa Bay Lightning put mm-hmm. out, you know, in the NHL an all-black line. First time. Yeah. Obviously, there's impact there, right? There's impact to the game. There's impact to those people, as we mentioned, that are watching the game. Mm-hmm. What do events like that really mean for the sport and young black players everywhere? I think for the sport, what it means is more great storytelling. I think people, they do know, but never really think about the fact that we're attracted to these sports, be it basketball, be it football, baseball, hockey, for the game. But we're also attracted to the stories, the behind the scenes, all these things that happen that are written down in the history books that we didn't know or we're just discovering. And I think a great thing about the game of hockey with what Tampa Bay Lightning did was that just adds to the storied history of the National Hockey League so that 10, 20, 30 years down the road, we can all say, well, this is what happened on this day and on that time. And this is the snowball effect that it had. It's just so great for the storytelling aspect. And that's where I look at that more importantly. You know, it's interesting when you see the naysayers on social media, which I really try to stay away from. And they say, well, who cares? It's just a, well, it may not care for you, but you know, down the road, it's going to care for the greater game. And that's what we have to focus on. And I think for young kids that are seeing this or reading about this or learning about this for them, when they go outside and they're playing with their friends and their friends are hockey players just like them and they all look the same. They have somebody that they can aspire to. You know, one of the greatest things kids do when it comes to sport is they pretend to be the person that they admire. Emulate. We them. all did that as kids. You know, when I grew up, it was very hard to say which black hockey player I wanted to be because I didn't know there was any. I didn't know Mike Marsden. I didn't know about Herb Carney. I didn't know about Willie O'Ree. But these kids now know about Quentin Byfield. They know about Akil Thomas. They know about Devontae Smith-Pelly and so on and so forth. And that gives them that sense of confidence that when they go out there and play, they are playing and having somebody that they are looking up to. It's so important. Like I said, it's so important to have role models and people to inspire to be because that gives you that confidence, that extra push to want to go further and do a great job on and off the field. Yeah, I agree. It's amazing. As we were talking and as you were talking, it hit me that 
The Tampa Bay Lightning have been revolutionary in this area because not oh, yeah. only did they just do that, but we also had as a guest on our show, Manon Rayom, who was the go. first female NHL player who also played for Tampa. So that's it. Maybe there's something there. Maybe they're the trendsetter and we should uh, continue to follow what Tampa Bay does. I don't know who's going to be next. <laughs> the thing with that is somebody has to be the first and any of these teams could do it, but right. somebody has to have the guts. And they right. had the guts. In to me, I, if I'm another National Hockey League team, I'm going. Damn it! Beat us <laughs> to the punch again. Right? Now, what can we do to be the first? And I, I just love that. And I think competition doesn't just happen on the ice. Competition happens off the ice. And sure. I think that if I'm a team, I'm looking to want to be the first or the one that breaks a certain barrier. And good on the Tampa Bay Lightning for that. I mean, Edmonton Oilers had. Five black players in 1999. Atlanta Thrashers had five black players in 2005, but neither of those teams, they never took advantage of the fact that showcased they showcased it. They never you know showcased I mean? it. So, Put them front yeah. stage, which they, yeah. which they certainly could have, right? I mean, yeah. in my time, I remember my first memory of a black player is Grant Fuhrer. There you go. That's my first guy that I recall. And you don't hear a lot about him uh, even today, which is strange because arguably he was one of the best goaltenders that probably ever played the game. But And uh, that's not just you saying that. That is Wayne Gretzky saying right, that. Right, right, right. And that's another reason why I made the film because I felt like there was a lot of attention being paid towards, and rightfully so, P.K. Subban when P.K. first got into the league. But I wanted to make sure that we didn't start our black history right there. I wanted people right. to understand that there were people before him Correct. that were just amazing players that did amazing things. And he stands on their shoulders. And right. let's not get it twisted. We have to start from the beginning so that we know where we're going in the future. And to, again, keep talking about and keep adding to the great storied history of the National Hockey League and hockey in general. I agree. And I think that's a great point. And how did it come about that you now partnered? Because there's a partnership with your podcast and the NHL. How did that come about? So since I did the film, I kind of just <laughs> bulldogged my way into the mix of the National Hockey League. They were not getting rid of me. I let them know from the very beginning that you can't just promote my film or give me a pat on the back about this film. There's work that needs to be done and I'm not going anywhere. And I'm going to make sure that I am doing things, actual things with your money and your brand. And so I connected with some great people over there. Kim Davis got me to a point where I became a consultant with the National Hockey League. And so I was a permanent fixture in that sense there. As far as the podcast, that was Akil Thomas's and Elijah Roberts' idea. And as an ex radio announcer, I was like, oh, this is great. I can, you know, I can get back into doing something like this. Cause I missed, I missed that idea of talking one-on-one -on -one with people and interviewing and just being in front of a mic. And just like me, that when you get a good microphone and you get to listen to yourself in the air, that's that, that, that just <laughs> hits the ego. So I was like, okay, let's do this. And in doing it, we were having fun at the beginning and just doing it on our own. And someone over at the national hockey league, you know, because they, they have a couple of podcasts and they're trying to build that whole idea of podcasting under their shield. And they said, you know, why don't you just bring the podcast over to um, the NHL uh, family podcast and let's, and let's work it there. You know, we can help with your promotion and getting guests and stuff like that. So it was an easy kind of like, you know what? Sure. Let's do it. You know, it gives us a little bit more legitimacy. 
And, you know, we're hoping that it will help us um, grow in the future. That's great. In your view, you know, we touched on this a little bit, but with regard to diversity in general, right, in the Mm -hmm. NHL, we've seen a lot of change in a short period of time, I think, over the last couple of years. But in general, where do you see and how do you see that change taking place? Is it going fast enough? Should it be going faster? Do you think that we have a lot of work to do or we're doing a good job thus far? I think that we're on pace. I feel like this is kind of the pace that's happening. Again, you know, when I put the film out in 2015, I knew a day like this was going to happen. I always tell people I was like clairvoyant on this subject. (laughs) And I always brag about that because nobody was talking about it before. And then as soon as it happened, this so, and I kind of felt like that was going to happen. I just felt like once you can see how comfortable it is to talk about your history, regardless of how it was, more of these things would happen. Yeah, great intuition. Yeah, thank you. Uh, You know, because, you know, since that film, then Willie O'Ree's film came out. There was one on Grand Fuhrer. There was a short film on the Color Hockey League of the Maritimes. So these kind of things help that part of the storytelling. Then you see all the committees that are happening right now. You're seeing like people like Blake Bolden getting an opportunity over at the National Hockey League and all the, the, the LA Kings. So I feel like, we're going in the right direction. I think a lot of people right now in this day and age are very impatient. I'm the kind of guy that can watch a movie with two people sitting in the diner for half an hour and watch that dialogue and be happy, where some people just like, I need that to go quick. I'm not one of those kind of people. So I like right. the pace that we're going in as long as we are going somewhere. The problem will be if we get to a stalemate. Where we want it to be is going to take a very long time. Like we cannot fool ourselves that this is going to change overnight. The National Hockey League has been around for over 100 years. It's only been within the last five years that the National Hockey League has been truly invested in trying to change the look and the feel of the game. And one of the approaches that needs to be tackled is to change it from diversity and inclusion to inclusion and diversity because the game of hockey has always been diverse, not as diverse as we want it to be, but it has been diverse. The problem is that it has not been inclusive. There are people of color, people of different genders have not been at lack of means. It's not a cheap sport either. So, you know, that that doesn't affect any race in particular. It goes across the board, affects people, period. right. Right. That's right. So we have to become a lot more inclusive. And once we become a lot more inclusive, then we'll be a lot more diverse from all spectrums. And I think you're starting to see that in the hiring practices and you'll start to see that more like people will be surprised within the last five years, how many people of color have been hired to different teams across the spectrum. And Seattle Kraken are going to be the ones that are going to lead the charge, especially when they come out. Yeah, my New York Rangers just hired Mike Greer. There you go. Mike Greer, Boston guy and a great addition to the Rangers staff as of uh, a week or two ago. So that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. You know, in your view, I know you're NHL heavy, your NHL kind of uh, little bias there. But (laughs) how do you feel that the NHL is measuring up amongst uh, or against other professional leagues in terms of their efforts? You know, are they, you know, doing a better job or are other leagues doing a better job? Where do you think they fall in the mix? Yeah, I think other leagues are doing a way better job, but they have the advantage of being more inclusive. Again, with basketball especially, you have more people of color that are working directly with these teams 
the majority of the players are people of color. So you have that advantage where the attention has to go towards that. The people are talking about it, are going to be talking about it because they live that experience day by day. When your top player is a guy like LeBron James, of course he's going to talk about situations or issues of people of color. You can't really expect that when your top player is Connor McDavid or right. Sidney Crosby or an Alexander Vetskin. That's not their living, that's not their living experience. But let something happen to the East Coast of Canada. I guarantee you, Sidney Crosby is going to be front and center and speaking about it. And that's no slight to him. There's just things he just doesn't know. And we have to do a better job of educating our white brothers and sisters in the game of hockey to understand that we need you as allies because a lot of these guys that you are guys and gals that you've played with past, present and future have gone through certain trauma just because of the color of their skin. And if you know that about your fellow teammate, if you call yourself a teammate, you're going to empathize with them and want to say, nah, this is not going to happen to my brother at arms. Great article by Eric Gubranson came out a couple of years ago, not too long ago, but he talked about the whole George Ford situation. And what really struck him to the core was that he thought about his mentor and friend, Mark Fraser, former uh, Maple Leaf. And he said, man, that could have been my brother. And I need to speak out about this as a white male in a white dominated sport and say that this is not okay. And I need to make sure that my black brothers and sisters that are in this game know that I ride with them just like anybody else. So the National Hockey League does get hit on the head for being slow to the dance at some points, but I think they're getting much better than they were five years ago. I mean, also in fairness to them, to, you know, not that this validates anything for them being behind, but to some degree, they don't have the financial backing, the financial wherewithal of some of these other leagues like the NBA you mentioned and the NFL. So that hurts them also because they also don't have the viewership. Unfortunately, you and I, we love hockey and we will watch it all day long, but unfortunately that hasn't filtered out to the, the greater population. You know, the, the hockey on now versus watching something on Netflix, they don't have mm-hmm. that viewership to draw from Netflix at this point versus hopefully with the TNT deal and the um, ESPN deal, things will be a little different. But again, it's going to, what's going to determine that is the storytelling. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got to be more than just the game on the ice. We all know once we get you inside that arena and watch the game, you're going to be hooked. I don't care if you're a lifelong football. <laughs> and if you're not, fan. there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you. It's not the game. It's something wrong with you. I think what they need to do again is a, do a better job at promoting and telling the story of the game and why this game is such a beautiful game and the visuals. And there's a lot of missteps. I, I will be the first one to say that there's a lot of missteps that the National Hockey League does that we need to make sure that we eliminate, but we've got the right people in place that are saying, no, we needed to do it that way, or no, we can't do it that way again. We have to do it this way going forth. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear you have the confidence and faith in them to do what have we to. need to do to to, to, to. to move them forward. We talked about it a little bit, but in general, you know, expanding diversity within the sport, right? Or any mm-hmm. sport. I mean, 
I feel is going to help grow the game because you're opening it up to a larger audience, a larger population. You know, there's a kid somewhere that could be the next Sidney Crosby or the next Connor McDavid. But if he doesn't strap on the skates, mm-hmm. we may never know. So, mm-hmm. I mean, do you really do you believe in your heart of hearts that expanding this diversity and telling these stories can uncover the next Connor McDavid of color or the next Sidney Crosby? I honestly do because great athletes are just great athletes. It's just where their path lies. Like I always think to myself, like just imagine if Shaquille O'Neal's parents put him on skates <laughs> and he was the same type of athlete, the same with Kobe Bryant, God rest his soul, or Allen Iverson. It's just putting them in those positions and giving them the opportunity and the knowledge and the chance to take their natural athleticism and put it towards the game of hockey. So I think that being more inclusive and opening the game up to become more diverse, especially visually, is going to spark that interest in some kid of color to become one of those phenoms. It's it's just a matter of time. And I just think that it's all about being in the right places, right atmosphere, and just having the right opportunity to take that natural born athletic skill that's within somebody and just taking that and putting it on the ice and putting it on the stick handling, the skating, you know, and um, I think we'll see it. And I, I would imagine if you had a person in that situation, that would basically really move the needle significantly much more quickly in a much oh, yeah. shorter period of time, I would imagine. And that's why I feel like, I think P.K. Subban had an opportunity to really blow the roof off when he first got into the league, but there wasn't the promotion behind it towards advertising him to young black athletes. Do you think that's a misstep by the NHL, by him, or the team he played for, you think? I think that's a misstep from everybody. I think everybody in the industry of hockey can take some sort of responsibility. The simple fact that he played for a Canadian team at the beginning was, and that's not a misstep. That's just how he was playing for the Montreal. The way it is, right. I feel like if he was playing for, say, New York Rangers and had that same impact at the very beginning, that now gives puts him in the American eyes. And right there, I think there's a more trickle effect for the young black kids. And, you know, young black kids did know about him, but they were already converted hockey fans. He just became their favorite player. Right. We're talking about that parent, that young parent that is black and sees this kid and says, oh, man, he looks like us. He's got a lot of great energy. He dresses. He's got good flavor. He's flashy. Man, you know what? Man, when I went out and watched him, oh my gosh, that, that's I'm going to put my son in, and he, you know what I mean. I think that's yeah. how it works in, in in that sense. So, and that's why I say it's going to take a while because we need that superstar, right? We need that guy that is lighting it up, that's charismatic, that is a great personality that the black community was, says, whoa, okay, okay, <laughs> I'm rooting for you, you know? I got to check this out. We got to check this out. I yeah. mean, you saw what happened with Venus and Serena. Mm-hmm. You saw what happened with Tiger Woods. I didn't know any black people that were playing golf as much as the, that was happening when Tiger Woods started playing golf, you know? I agree. I don't think I knew of either. So 
Listen, hopefully they're out there already and maybe they're coming yeah. to the uh, draft pretty soon or maybe they're not even born yet. Who knows? But uh, hopefully it. sooner than later. So tell us what's up next for the Soul on Ice podcast and Kwame. What's up next for you? Yeah. So for the podcast, just continuing to find and put on really interesting guests and bringing our twist to the game to that and just having fun and Hopefully it will grow and I'm hoping that your listeners will give it a chance. Uh, so nice the podcast and you can find it wherever you get podcasts. And then for me, again, it's the mission of normalizing not just black faces and voices, but minority and, and just people. I just want to, I just want to try my best to open up this game. And the way that I do that is through storytelling. And I'm hoping that once this COVID thing is kind of behind us in the sense that we can get out there and shoot and start producing more content, then, you know, I'll be able to tell more stories. Like, I mean, you know, we were on our way, man, and then COVID hit <laughs> and we just had to stop. So right now it's just kind of mentally preparing and um, trying to get us to a point where we can tell some really great stories. Do you have another documentary or film on the radar? Or I do. I had one that literally was, I mean, I'm talking like, 24 hours to be in greenlit. Wow. And COVID hit, and we were just like, uh, now that might wah, be a blessing. Wah, wah. <laughs> yeah, it might be. You know, I'm a firm believer of everything happens when Meant it's supposed to, to happen. So I'm hoping that again, we'll be able to do that because I think this next I, um, idea that I have for the game of hockey will be something that people will find special as well. Well, we will be looking out for it. And I'd be remiss, Kwame. We end every show with the same question because this is the Midland money mindset. So we have to weave that in somehow. Okay. And we do that with our last question, which is, what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? You know what? Speaking to you, and I know that sounds cheesy, but the fact that I get to talk more about my passion means that I'm on the right track. And the simple fact that you wanted me on my show means that I'm doing something that's interesting to the world. So that is inspiring me to keep continuing to do what I do so that I can help leave a legacy behind when it's all said and done. I love that. I enjoy it. And I love what you're doing and what you're bringing. And I'll be continuing to follow you, whether it be on the podcast or future film, we'll be looking out. If our listeners, and we'll have this in the show notes, if our listeners want to find you, how do they go about doing that? Yeah. So social media, we have Soul on Ice, the podcast, Soul on Ice, the movie, and just me is, you know, Kwame, but you know, you could just say Kwamster, K-W-A-M-S. <laughs> T-E-R, and uh, please hit me up on all social media platforms and you know say hi. I respond to everybody. Great, Kwame. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. I appreciate it, and I appreciate you, and make it a great day. Thank you, brother, and thank you for having me, and you have a great day as well. I want to thank Kwame Damon Mason for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset. Kwame has taken his love of hockey and his skills as a host and created something great for the hockey community the Soul on Ice podcast, and the feature documentary film Soul on Ice, past, present, and future. Kwame has shown his entrepreneurial nature by going all in on the creation of his documentary and investing in himself to pursue his lifelong dream. Kwame can be found across all social media platforms and all the contact information needed to find him can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. 
make sure you visit our website at midlandfinancial.com and be sure to smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content. And listen, please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. Be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about the mindset needed to successfully plan for and live your best life before and through retirement. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.